Our passage is Isaiah chapter 14, verses 24 through 27. It's a shorter passage than we have had recently, so I'd like to begin just by reading through the entirety of it and then the sermon. Isaiah chapter 14, starting at verse 24. The Lord of hosts has sworn, as I have planned, so it, I'm sorry, as I have planned, so shall it be. And as I have purposed, so shall it stand, that I will break the Assyrian in my land, and on my mountains trample him underfoot. And his yoke shall depart from them, and his burden from their shoulder. This is the purpose that is purposed concerning the whole earth, and this is the hand that is outstretched over all the nations. For the Lord of hosts has purposed, and who will annul it? His hand is stretched out. Who will turn it back? So that's our passage today. It's a great passage, just four verses, but they are powerful. Just to catch you up, if you've missed any of the recent sermons, God has been preparing his people for the fact that he is about to discipline them because they have been rebellious, and he is going to use whole nations as his paddle. He's going to use, in, this, in the scope of this passage, specifically the nation of Assyria in order to discipline his people. Now, this was going to be a coming disaster for Judah, God's people, the southern kingdom of God's people. And God knows that when God's people experience really difficult times and disaster, they may be prone to ask some theological questions like, does God still love me? Does God still love us? Is God still in control? Is God still all-powerful? Basically, why? Why is this? We are God's special people. Why is this disaster happening to us? And so he sends the prophet Isaiah to prepare them to say through Isaiah, Here's what's going to happen, here's why it's going to happen, and then here's where it's all headed, what's going to happen afterward. It's like we talked about last week, it's like a parent preparing their child to be disciplined. Okay, you hit your sister, you're not supposed to hit your sister, you're going to have to sit in timeout now, you're going to sit in timeout for five minutes, after that five minutes, I'm going to come and give you a hug and we're going to talk about what you learned and then you can play with your toys again. That's sort of what Isaiah is doing, making sure they know what to expect so that they will endure and so that they won't lose hope and lose heart and turn away from God in the midst of the disaster and think that God has forgotten them. So that's what we have been talking about. Today's passage moves away from this explanation of what God is doing through the discipline and is focusing on the fact that when God says he'll restore them, he will restore them. Today's passage is pretty straightforward. Even in discipline, God wants his people to be at peace and to endure by trusting that he will do what he says he will do. God wants his people to endure the hard times, including his discipline, and to be at peace. And the means for them to be at peace and to endure is by trusting that God will do what he says he will do. This kind of practical faith that leads to enduring peace is what God wants to build in us as his people now as well, and what I believe he'll build in us as we attend to this passage. So let's look back 
starting at verse 24. And just see what the text says. Verse 24. The Lord of hosts has sworn, as I have planned, so shall it be. And as I have purposed, so shall it stand. As God plans it, so it will be. As he purposes it, so it will come to pass. How many planners do we have in the room? Does anybody consider themselves a planner? You plan ahead, you use a planner, you write things down on a calendar, you keep to-do lists. Some of you know that this is you. Some of you wish that was you. You should do better than you do. The best planner in the room, does it always work out according to your plan? Some of you are great at planning, but does it always work out the way you planned it to work out? Does it ever work out exactly the way you planned it? It's rare. Some of you are really good at it, and maybe it does work out the way you planned it for your life, but often it doesn't. I am, I am sort of a planner. I'm not a great long-range planner, but I am a rigid short-term planner, like what I'm going to do with the next half hour. I know what I'm going to do the next half hour. I've got it planned out. I'll have my, my, my three goals for the next half hour and they're concrete and clear, and I still can't accomplish them. I have a to-do list for every week. On Monday morning, I make my list, and then every day, I synthesize that into today's list, and there's always stuff that I don't get checked off of the list. I never get it all done. Maybe once in a while I do, and that's a, that's a great day, but usually not. Now, why not? Why can we not bring our plans to completion every time? It's because of our limitations as human beings. We don't know what the future is going to hold. We don't know what unexpected variables may come up. And we're not all powerful. So there may be things we aspire to do and intend to do that we just turns out we don't have the knowledge or the stamina or the time or the resources to do. God is not inhibited by any of those limitations. God is the only being who 100% of the time follows through on what he plans and purposes to do. What God says he's going to do, 100% of the time, he does it to the letter as he intended. How many campaign promises have been made over the course of our political history as a country that were then broken? Tons and tons of them. It's not because all these political candidates are evil. Maybe sometimes that's why. It's because they're human beings, and they don't, there's things outside of their control. There's nothing outside of God's control. So he is the only 100% trustworthy being. I have, this, I have several annoying things that I do to my children regularly. I haven't done this one as much lately, but one of them that they might remember is anytime they'll ask me, can we do this next week? I would inevitably say, I don't know. I don't know the future. Or can we do this two hours from now? And sometimes I would say, I don't know the future. Maybe we can. I'll try. I would never box myself in and paint myself into a corner because I think all kids are like this, but I know the Broadway kids are like this. They'll take that as a verbal contract. If you say, yes, we'll do this next week, that is locked in as a firm commitment, unbreakable. But I don't know what's going to be happening next week. And so after a few times of letting them down, saying I'll do fill in the blank and then not being able to come through like I thought I could, 
I would never make a firm commitment anymore. And I know it aggravated them to death. But God is not that way. He's never thwarted. If he says he's going to do it, he's going to do it. So we could we just lock that into our worldview and our understanding of reality. When God says it, it is solid, it is concrete, it is immovable. You can depend on it. Now, why is Isaiah sharing this with them now here in this passage? He wants, God wants his people here in anticipating this disaster that's coming to have faith in him to stick by his word that he's going to restore them in the end, that he's going to punish Assyria and he's going to restore them in the end. He wants them to have this faith that he's going to come through on what he said he would do, and that faith would give them peace in the meantime and enable them to endure in the meantime. God wants his people to endure and be at peace. He wants that for you as his people. The means of that endurance and that peace is trusting him to come through on what he says he'll do, trusting him at his word, trusting his promises. That's why he gives us his word. In this case, he's talking specifically about what he's going to do regarding Assyria as we get back into verse 25. So he says in verse 24, As I have planned, so it shall be. As I have purposed, so shall it stand. Verse 25, That I will break the Assyrian in my land, and on my mountains trample him underfoot, and his yoke shall depart from them and his burden from their shoulder. In other words, it's going to get bad, but it's not going to last forever. So don't despair, don't lose heart, don't lose hope, don't turn to other pagan nations to be your allies to try to ward off this coming disaster. Don't turn to idols thinking that they're going to be more powerful than I am. Just hang in there and trust me. That's his message to his people there, and it continues to be his message to us often. And when God disciplines his people, he's not an overbearing father that that disciplines them in a way that they, they can't bear. He disciplines in a way that's temporary, aimed at restoration, and he just wants them to endure and to trust him. And this isn't just historic. This points ahead to promises that we still need to hang on to. As we get into verse 26, Isaiah begins to zoom out like he did in the passage last week. He says, this is the purpose that is purposed concerning the whole earth. And this is the hand that is stretched out over all the nations. What's going to happen to Assyria is like what is going to happen to the whole earth. The hand that is stretched out about to punish Assyria is the same hand that will stretch out one day to punish all the rebellious nations of the earth. This is a foreshadowing of the judgment that is promised throughout the Bible to come in the end when Jesus Christ returns, when the king returns. And as surely as God would end Assyria's reign of terror, terror, reign of terror, (laughs) he's going to judge all the nations of the earth. All the burdens will be broken, all the yokes removed, all the guilty punished, all the evil ended. One day the King of Kings is going to return, the Lord of Lords is going to return. History is not out of control, God is in control. As you look at the news headlines and it can seem like things are just hurtling into just a dark, evil oblivion sometimes, that is not where things are headed. Things are headed to a day when King Jesus is going to return 
and set all things right. And so just like these people were going to be waiting for God's restoration, we are in waiting for that to come. And just like they could count on God to bring about restoration and to end Assyria's conquest over them, we can count on Jesus Christ to return. It is solid and secure. We don't have to be unsettled by world events like non-Christians become unsettled by world events. Yes, things may get bad. We do live in a fallen world, but we know where the story ends. And so we have a stability and we have a security and we have a steadiness that non-Christians just don't have access to. And it's very important that we live in light of that. We have the words of God and they are solid and certain and secure. How do we know all these things? Our final verse sums it up kind of where we began, verse 27. For the Lord of hosts has purposed, and who will annul it? Or who will veto it? Who will thwart what he has purposed? His hand is stretched out, and who will turn it back? We know where human history is headed because God has told us, and we know God is trustworthy because he can fulfill his word about the future. He knows it, and he's powerful enough for nothing to stop him. No one can thwart his purposes. Sometimes I feel like my purposes are only thwarted all day long. I'll start with my list, and I don't get to do any of it because there's so much unexpected stuff that comes up. There are so many things that are outside of my control. Maybe I plan to do yard work outside, and it rains. Well, that's, I can't do anything about that. And so I have to be flexible, not my strong suit, as it turns out. You know what? Flexibility isn't God's strong suit either, but he never needs it. God never has to be flexible. He never has to adjust his plans. He always comes through on his purposes. No one can turn back his outstretched hand. While I'm talking about annoying things I enjoy doing to my children, one of them is when I'm driving and they reach over to do something to the radio, just slapping their hand away just for like 15 minutes as they continually try to change the volume, just continually slapping their hand away. It's just fun to do. If you have kids, this is something you might want to consider. When God stretches his hand out to accomplish something, who could slap his hand away? Who could stop him? Is there some world leader that's that powerful? Is there some tech CEO that's that strong? No, no one could stop God's hand from accomplishing God's purposes. It is impossible. When he stretches his hand out, he accomplishes what he sets out to do. So that is our passage, and I just want to close with two applications and an invitation. So the first application, God wants you to endure and be at peace. As his people through our faith in Jesus Christ, we can know that he is for us and he wants us to be at peace and he wants us to endure. He doesn't want us to be crushed. He doesn't want us to be crushed by the stresses and and worries and anxieties and responsibilities and all these things that tend to bend us to where we feel like we're going to break. He loves us. He's a good father. He doesn't want us panicking. He doesn't want us freaking out. And many, we, we are an anxious people, just humanity. This is part of our human frailty. We tend to get scared. We tend to feel out of control. 
We tend to feel like the parent in the passenger seat while the son with his permit is driving. And we feel the movement of the car, but we have no pedals and we have no steering wheel. And it feels out of control. And it's helpful for passages like this to remind us to look over to the driver's seat and realize that's God himself driving us through this life. And he knows what he's doing. And we can be at peace. Your father, your God loves you. And he wants to empower you to endure anything you might be going through and anything you might go through in the future. And he wants you to be at peace. So I encourage you to turn toward him and don't turn away from him to other sources that promise peace because those other sources always fall short, but he never does. How brings us to the second application. Endurance and peace come from trusting God at his word. You know, I, as a younger Christian, I always thought and hoped that when I was scared or was having a hard time, that God would give me peace as like a miracle zap from heaven, and it would just be just an inexplicable emotional sense of peace. But that's not exactly how God works. The strength that we gain as Christians comes in a more practical, more concrete, actionable way, and it's trusting God at his word. He has given us his word to know him, and then included in here are promises that we can hang on to as securely as if they are facts. And that's where our strength and peace comes from. We may not even feel it emotionally, but we can have it through hanging on to what his word says. That's where it is to be found. Now, this doesn't mean that you can trust him to do whatever you want him to do. Sometimes we as Christians, we read that into God's good intentions for us. We know he loves us. So we think, well, I'll pray for whatever I want, and if he really loves me, he'll give it to me. But what good parent does that for their children? Good parents don't give their kids whatever they want because kids don't know what they actually need. They don't know what's good for them. And God's not going to just give us whatever we want. So I don't mean that you can count on God to give you whatever you ask him for. What I do mean is is if he promised it here, you can 100% count on him to deliver on it. Those promises are facts for us. They're concrete, they're unchanging. This whole world, people are walking around in sinking sand, trying to get a grip, trying to get traction. Standing here on God's words is solid ground. It holds, it doesn't change. So, in our pursuit of strength and endurance and peace, do you know God's promises? Are you aware of the things that he has promised to his people? in his word, because he's not going to give you strength and endurance and peace as just like a a magic trick. You're going to gain those things as you learn and hold to what he has promised you in his word. So in your bulletin, there's an insert with God's promises. We've had this same insert before, but I think it's really helpful. Just as a reminder of some of the things he has promised to his people. Did you know that he has promised in Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart? That's a great promise. He will give you the desires of your heart. Now, there is a condition to it. That's when you are delighting yourself in him and you're loving him and finding all your your joy in him. Then the desires of your heart line up with what he wants for you and he'll give you your desires, the desires of your heart. What a great promise. Did you know in Psalm 55, 22, it says, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. 
He will never permit the righteous to be moved. He has promised to sustain his people when they cast their burden on him. It's another really good promise. Is that one that you know and you keep in your back pocket to pull out when you need help sustaining? Did you know Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. This is a great, this promise has meant a lot to me. Meredith had it engraved on a watch that she gave me as a gift early on when we were dating. I've come back to it often. It is true. When you let go of your own understanding and instead lean on his understanding and acknowledge him in the way you live your life, trust in him with all your heart, he really does make your path straight. And as curvy as the road may seem and as much uncertainty as you feel like you're navigating, you'll look back and see that it was a a straightaway. And all the while, he was guiding your steps the way he wanted to. His promises hold up. So do you know them? Do you take hold of them? When you're mourning, do you turn to God trusting that he'll comfort you, like Matthew 5, 4 says? When you're worried about the daily necessities of life, do you remember Matthew chapter 6? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and trust that he's going to add all these things to you, all the things you need, he's going to provide for you. Do you hang on to that in those times when you're not sure if you're going to have what you need? When you're tired and worn out, do you remember Matthew eleven twenty eight that he will give you rest when you come to him? This is how we live as Christians in a difficult and trying world. Do you act on God's promises? Did you notice most of these promises have some conditions to them? John 6, 35, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So there's a spiritual satisfaction promised. If we believe that promise, we act on it by coming to him and believing in him. And you can look through the other promises. I encourage you to do that. So those are our two applications. The the fact is, God wants his people to be strengthened and at peace and able to endure. And that comes through concrete trust in what he has said, what he has promised, and what he said will happen and what he said he will do. So I want you to know that he loves you and wants you to be at peace and strengthened and to endure, and that it comes from that kind of trust. And it's right there for you as Christians. And then the invitation is that we'll do that right now. I'd like for us to respond with a time of prayer. And you might want to read over this list of promises and pick one that in, this, in particular you need to hang on to right now. And just in this time of prayer, just ask God to help you fully believe this fully reliable promise. If you would like to come and pray up here as Jan plays, that might be a great physical act to jar you into a real time of prayer with the Lord. No one will disturb you. You can come and pray at the prayer benches here. If you're more comfortable praying where you sit, that is fine as well. But let's pray our way into solid, strong grip on these promises. Just pick one, ask God to help you believe it. And then after this time of prayer, we'll have our closing song. If you'll bow with me, I'll kind of kick our prayer time off. And Jan, you can go ahead and and begin. Father, thank you for what you've given us in your word this morning. 
it is so strengthening to be reminded that you are absolutely trustworthy. Would you please now guide each and every one of us to the promise you would have us to hang on to for this week? And as we have this time in prayer, would you help us to pray? Help us to act on what these verses say and trust what these verses promise. In Jesus' name.